0: Well, thank you for joining us at the Hills, whether you're at the uh, North Richland Hills campus or the West Fort Worth campus. You'll notice I did not say the South Lake campus because it's going to be my joy uh, to speak and preach live at South Lake uh, this weekend. And I'm looking forward uh, late in September to preaching live at West Fort Worth campus because they're going to two services soon, and I'm looking forward to being there. On the day that that begins, the truth is, I'm happy to preach anywhere, because as you know, uh, the last several weeks, I have been gone, some uh, as a son, and then as a father. Last weekend, my wife and I took our youngest to Abilene Christian University, and we left him there, and uh, he's doing fine, and we are in therapy the goodbye actually went pretty well I was expecting a meltdown and it never happened but then as my daughter and I and my wife walked to the car Jamie, my wife quickly said I want the back seat and so we're taking off toward home and I look back there and the chin start to quiver and I knew what was about to happen and I didn't know how to handle it because I was feeling fairly emotional too I tried to joke and that didn't work that really didn't work I tried to express sympathy, and that didn't work, and silence wasn't getting us anywhere. And finally, after about an hour, Mama got into her purse, and she pulled out the Rolos. And that's when I realized Mama wants comfort food. (laughs) So I drove her straight to our favorite Mexican food restaurant, and then I took her straight to our favorite ice cream. And we've been doing that all week. We've gained some weight, but we're doing better. (laughs) So thank you for remembering us. I'm glad to be back. You're going to get a big dose of me preaching this fall. But I will tell you, we are going to have a guest speaker in two weekends. Max Licato is going to be with us, and we're very excited about that. Max is coming out with a brand new book, and we're going to be, I think, the first church he preaches at after this book debuts. And so you'll hear more about that next weekend. But I want you to start thinking and helping us get the word out now to your friends and neighbors, and we're looking forward to a great weekend with Max on September 8th and 9th. And that'll be for all three campuses. It's going to be a powerful time. Now, we've been doing this summer a series called Anothering. Jesus said the leverage we have in the world, the impact we make in the world is simply this. Nobody does people better than we do. And we'll finish that series next weekend. But in this teaching, I want to deal with the one thing that the New Testament mentions more than any other. In a one another vein. Now, I want to start with a story of a journalist that was going to interview a very successful entrepreneur about the reason for his success. And the man began, Well, when my wife and I married, we had one nickel to our name. And I took that nickel and I bought an apple. And I shined it up and I sold it for 10 cents. And then I went and bought two apples and I shined them up and I sold them for 20 cents. Then I went and I bought four apples. And the journalist is thinking, what a great human interest story. And he says, what happened then? And the man says, then my father-in-law died and left us $50 million. (laughs) Now, why do we like those tell-me-your-story stories? Well, it's because we are wired to want to be inspired. We are bombarded in our world with so much news and propaganda that is just depressing to the mind and diminishing to the human spirit. So where do you go to get lifted up in a broken down world? Well, the Hebrew writer answers that question. I'm starting in verse 19 of chapter 10. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus. Now that's huge. Because of Jesus' offering, we have the right to go where no man ought to be able to go. Where only dead men walking ...could go without Jesus. He says, but we can go by this new and living way... ...open for us through the curtain that is His body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God... ...now watch. Let us draw near to God... ...with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith... ...having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience... And having our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. We don't have to be afraid when we go in the presence of God. We don't have to tremble in fear and wonder what to expect. The blood of Christ has washed us. Not just our bodies, but our consciences. And we can now with boldness go where no man ever dared to go. Into the presence of God. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Where can you go to get lifted up in a broken down world? The writer says, you can go to church. You can go gather among the people that have been cleansed and washed by the blood of Christ. The church is the place where always is heard an encouraging word. Or at least it ought to be. The Duke of Wellington, the man who conquered Napoleon at Waterloo, was known as a brilliant but demanding man. And late in his life, a young woman asked him, if he could do it over, what one thing would he do differently? And he said this, I would give more praise. You see, anotherers are praise givers. Or to put it another way, we are consistent, we are intentional, we are aggressive encouragers. The one, one, another passage in the Bible that anotherers are asked to do more than anything else is this encourage one another. When the people of God gather, the people that have been washed by the blood of Christ, the people that can go into the presence of God, when we get together, always is heard an encouraging word. That word that is translated encourage is found 109 times in the New Testament. You think maybe someone's trying to make a point. Now, it literally means to come alongside. And it's used to describe all those things you do and say that inspire and build up other believers. So to encourage is to share and encourage. intentional expression to help somebody grow up in their walk in Jesus Christ. It's all over the Bible. Paul in Acts 14 says, They preached the good news in that city. They won a large number of disciples. They returned to Lystra, Iconium, Antioch, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships To enter the kingdom of God, they said. He would say later to the Thessalonian church as he reminds them in chapter 2 of his first letter. You know that we dealt with each of you as a father deals with his own children. Encouraging, comforting, urging you to live lives worthy of God who calls you into his kingdom and Glory. And it wasn't just the leaders, certainly the leaders, but not just the leaders that are asked to be encouragers in the Bible. Later in the same book, he says to the whole church in chapter 5, verse 11, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. And by the way, in the Bible, spirit led encouragement isn't just giving people compliments, it can have an edge. To it. The Hebrew writer, chapter 3, verse 13 says, But encourage one another daily, as long as it's called a day, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And so when we talk together and when we are together and as we see someone who's down a path that may not be strong and healthy, we speak into that. We're constantly exhorting, warning, urging people in their walk in Jesus, because we know that the world is full of discouraging words. You hear them all the time, don't you? I enjoyed a story I saw in Reader's Digest. This Navy frogman said to his brand new wife, I don't think your mother likes me. And she said, Why would you say that? Well, I was explaining when I'm under the water diving, I don't wear my wedding ring because barracudas like shiny objects and I could lose a finger. And your mother says, well, why don't you just wear it on a chain around your neck? (laughs) I don't have to tell you the world is full of discouraging words. One of the chief purposes... ...of the Christian assembly is mutual encouragement. To come, to worship, to get up, to leave, to never speak to someone, to never ask how someone's doing in Christ... ...to never say anything that would help anybody is not why this moment is important. We can worship God in our closets. We come together to encourage So, what will encourage encouraging? Well, here are these three ideas. First, we're going to have to say no to self-absorption. Because we know that the flesh just gravitates to an it's all about me perspective. But that inspires no one, does it? We are inspired by stories when somebody puts we ahead of me. For example, do you remember just a couple of weeks ago in the Olympic Games in London? And the American 4x400 team is racing in the preliminaries. And you might remember this picture of this young man. His name is Monteo Mitchell. He was running the first leg. He's 200 meters into a 400 meter race and he hears a pop. And his leg breaks. Not cracks, not fractures. It breaks. And he's got 200 meters to go. And here's the amazing thing. This is the prelims. If they make the finals, he's not going to be on the team. He is running to help somebody else win the medal. Now, you think he doesn't have a reason to stop and think about me? Me? But he knows if I don't finish and finish strong, my team can't run the next day. And so he said, all I thought about was faith, focus, finish. Faith, focus, finish. And he ran his 400 meters in 46 seconds on a broken leg so that his team could run again. Anotherers realize That they're not the only ones in the race. And so all throughout your New Testament, the word is used of people who think we instead of me. Like the seventh verse in the little letter we call Philemon. Paul says, your love has given me great joy and encouragement. Because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the saints. Now, let me lay something on you worth thinking about. I don't think the devil cares if you ever become wicked. As long as you become indifferent. In C.S. Lewis' classic book, The Screwtape Letters, you have this senior demon named Screwtape, Who's discipling this junior demon named Wormwood. And there's a great line in there. Where Screwtape says to Wormwood. I will see to it. That there are always bad people. Your job my dear Wormwood. Is to make sure. To provide me with people who just don't care. Now if you're going to be an anotherer, You're going to have to make a decision. Does Jesus have a clue? Does Jesus know what he's talking about when he said that the key to self-fulfillment is self-denial? You've got to decide, is that right or not? Jesus says, do you want a fulfilling life? Do you want a life that is the kind of life that brings joy and contentment? You've got to stop thinking me and start thinking we. Does Jesus have a clue? You've got to make up your mind. In fact, you have to make up your mind every single day. You've got to say no to self-absorption to be an encourager. You have to say no also to individualism. This is hard for us because our country, and we live in a wonderful country, but let's be honest, we've made a virtue Of independence. And independence is not a virtue in the kingdom of God. A lot of times we'll say or you'll hear songs that will say. All I need is God. That's unbiblical. And it's undoable. Because God's word says. You can't love me. If you're not anothering Somebody else. See, I I know that your walk with God is personal. But it was never meant to be private. We are in this together. Look at what Paul says again to the Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 14. We urge you brothers. Now just notice, we got to live in community. He says, I want you to. Warn those who are idle. Encourage the timid. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Here's why. Church is full of people who aren't everything God wants them to be. And they're not going to get there without help. Nobody becomes all they can be in Christ by themselves. You need someone else To help you achieve greatness. I want to illustrate that with a video I saw the other day. Watch this. Jimmy. Hi. What are you doing? Huh? I'm getting my tooth out. And how are you gonna do that? Do the rocket. You're gonna fire a rocket off? Yeah. And the rocket's tied to your tooth? Yeah. All right. You ready for this? Yeah. Okay. You gotta push that button really hard till that lights up, and then when it lights up, you have to push that one. Okay, you ready? Go. Now, you can find that video on YouTube two ways. You can search for why a boy needs a dad to become a man. Or you can also search why a mother should never leave for the weekend and put her husband in charge. Whether that was wise or not, does that young man ever have the courage to do that without someone with him? Here's the point, every significant thing I've ever done in the kingdom of God, I can look back and point to people and say, if not for them, it wouldn't have happened. That's why Christian gatherings are so important. That's why the small groups that we talked about earlier in the service are so important. Uh, There's a brochure on every campus of the different groups we have that are helping people who need help, who want to be more than they are. Who want to become what Christ wants them to come. And you can't do it by yourself. If you aren't in one of these groups, I want you to at least get a brochure and know about these groups and get the word out. We all need each other. You all need a group. I can practice faith in isolation. You know that. I can practice hope in my closet. But I cannot practice love without a family. Now, you can be an introvert. I'm an introvert. You can be an introvert and still be in an another you can't be a loner. Anotherers encourage community. And anotherers come to community in order to encourage. You've got to say no to individualism. And finally, to cheap grace. Now remember the context of our Hebrew passage. It's through the blood of Jesus that we are able to enter into the presence of God. We've been made holy by His loving sacrifice. And what He is saying in that text is that then encouraging is a way we respond to this incredibly encouraging gospel. We behave the way we behave because we believe what it is that we believe. And we believe grace is free. But we do not believe grace is cheap. Grace does more than just forgive our sins. Grace forms a new kind of people. Look at how verse 24 reads from the Living Bible. In response to all He's done for us. He's cleansed us. He has given us access into the holy place in response to this. Let's outdo each other in being helpful and kind to each other and in doing good. I read recently about a man, 71 years old, named Michael Nicholson. He just received his 29th college degree. He lives in Kalamazoo, Michigan. So what did he do? He started working on degree number 30. And one of his own professors admitted That he has no intention of doing anything with all of this learning except going to school some more. He said, Michael doesn't want responsibility. He just wants to study. I'm concerned, especially here in the West, we've created a way to, quote, follow Christ. Where all we do is promote chances to study. Where we sit in lines and we go to conferences and we go to bookstores and we read and we write and we study. But at what point does the gospel become not just something you study, but something that transforms how you act? Grace affirms the worth and the dignity of every single human being. The gospel won't let me give up on anybody and it calls me to try to build up everybody. It's one of another's highest privileges. Because of what Jesus has done for me, I now get to partner with Jesus in building up people he died for. And so I have always enjoyed the story of the family that moved to a new school district. And the mother was very, very worried about her shy little boy going to a new school. And there was a school play and everyone was excited about trying out. And she Just prayed all day, oh Lord, don't let him be disappointed. Don't let him get turned down for everything. And when he came home from school, he was so excited. And he came in the front door, jumping up and down. Mama, mama, guess what? I was chosen to clap and cheer. We've all been. We've all been chosen for the privilege of cheering the body of Christ. And you know what? It's not just that you've been employed by Jesus. You've been empowered by Jesus. You can do this. You can make it so. Because you have been prompted and filled by another encourager. You see, a disciple does to others what Jesus has done to him. And what has Jesus done? John 14 in verse 16 says, I'll ask the Father and he'll give you another Counselor to be with you forever. That word counselor is the word encourage. It's the same word. He has given us the ultimate encourager. The ultimate come along cider to live in us. Why? To encourage us and to encourage us to encourage somebody else. And so Jesus says, you're going to be in some tough situations as my witnesses. You're going to wonder, what do I have to say? But go anyway. And my encourager will give you the words to speak. And based on that promise for 30 years now, I have found myself regularly walking into situations where I didn't know what to say but I knew that the holy encourager would give me words that happened just recently when I went to Cook's hospital to see little Alex Wells a lot of you are wearing the orange bracelets what do you say to a three year old boy battling leukemia but it was just such a joy To spend time with him. And as you would know if you've stepped into these kind of moments. The Holy Spirit filled the place. And gave us words to share to each other. You know the beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit and stepping out in faith. The serendipity is as you step out to encourage people. You find yourself getting more encouraged than what you gave yourself. Here's a little boy, three years old. He's had countless chemo and radiation treatments. The medicines make him so sick, sometimes they have to change his beddings nine times a day. Fevers of up to 107. In isolation now for over two months. Rash, painful covers almost every part of his body. And the other night, when his grandfather says, Alex, let's say our prayers for bedtime, Alex says, let's be sure to pray for all the other kids too. That's anothering. Oh, and I've got some good news. Friday, Alex got to go home. <laughs> now, keep praying. The hundred days is not over. We're still praying fervently that the bone marrow transplant was effective. But he was able to go home. And I say again. When you step out in faith. Believing that the sweet Lord that gave you the encourager. Will use you. Not only will you give encouragement. But you will receive it. It is one of the highest privileges of being an anotherer. There's a verse in Colossians chapter 4, verse 8, I sometimes try to write my name in on. Paul writes to the church, says, I'm sending Tychicus to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances and that he may encourage your hearts. And I read that verse and I write my name in and I say, Lord, I want to be that man. I want to be the man that you can trust to send for the express purpose that you can trust me to encourage someone's heart. And I want you to make yourself that available to God. And so every campus now, I'm going to ask you to bow your head. And just start to pray your own prayer and and just pray, Lord... I am available this week to be sent to encourage. You can trust me with such an honor. Pray that right now to the Lord. Oh, God, you're hearing our hearts all across the city on three different campuses. People are praying, wanting to be part of an army of encouragement this week. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for Jesus who who opened a way, who washed our hearts and our souls Even now, talking to you, the very privilege we have to talk to the holy of holies is because of the gospel. We want to do more than just study the gospel. We want to live it out. We want to step into the gospel. And that means, God, we're making ourselves available right now, this week, to encourage one another. Give us a clear leading and prompting. And we are already saying yes before it comes. In Jesus' name. Amen. You see, there's no story like our story. The story of a God who loves a people so much he gave his son. It's not just my story. And it's not just your story. It is our story story we're in this together we're going to sing about our story blessed assurance in fact i want to change one thing when we get to the chorus i don't want you to say this is my story this time we're going to sing this is our story the reason we encourage is because our story is so encouraging and so every campus now please stand would prayer leaders come to the front or take their places around the auditorium you can be prayed over right now you can come and confess Christ we'll baptize you right now we'll encourage you right now whatever you need we're going to sing about our story and you can come